You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Inside Purple and Gold. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani, as always, alongside Tom Schreier. Today's a special day, Monday morning. Um, Tom's running on fumes after covering that yes. Wolves game last night. Yes. But luckily for us, we don't have to do much talking today. We have our resident draft expert, the Locked On Minnesota Sports Network, Luke Inman. Uh, that's on Twitter, Luke underscore Spinman. Luke, thank you so much for joining us today. Me and Tom have been trying to talk about prospects for the last month, and we just honestly don't know that much about it. So <laughs> we're happy, happy to have you on. Um, we don't have to pretend like we know about this draft coming up well well, you're setting the bar super low for you guys and you're setting the bar super high for me i think we need to meet somewhere in the middle here because i i think you're downplaying it if you've looked at any mock drafts at all over the past two three months i think you could speak to some of these guys in this class honestly guys too before we get too deep in the weeds this class just in general i think isn't as strong as some other classes too and just knowing that the Vikings don't have a ton of ammo, obviously. In fact, I think bottom three, once you add up and get into the analytics of actual draft worth with those picks or lack thereof, um, it's going to be very interesting. And I'm just glad it's finally here. Done so much research and digging on this class. Glad it's finally here. Christmas is almost here for me, guys. For sure. Luke, uh, yeah, you're right. It come, it's three days away now, I guess four, because um, it- we got to count Thursday because it doesn't happen until Thursday night. Uh, but it is almost here. A lot of the chatter, as always, with this team, it, it always seems to go back to Kirk Cousins. It always seems to go back to the quarterback position. Um, I know Tom has some questions about you know the team as a whole. Maybe it makes sense to tr- try and trade back, deepen your roster, um, find pieces on defense. But let's just start with the quarterback position. Who is a realistic option at 23? Where, how high do you think the Vikings would have to move up if they want to get someone that you like? And, and, and how would you kind of evaluate this quarterback class as a whole outside of you know the two guys that they probably don't have a chance at? Yeah, I think, I mean, great question. I think even just taking a quick step back here first, looking at the big picture, what Kwesi actually inherited here? people may be quick to forget like this thing was an absolute mess thanks to Rick Spielman and maybe I'm I'm in the minority but I was a big Spielman advocate I thought he brought a lot to the table as far as just team building and team evaluation from that kind of lens he had some great drafts in the past he made some great moves earlier in his tenure but it's just so clear now when you're looking back the decisions that he made, this guy was just clinging on to his job and doing everything he could to stay competitive and win no matter what those last final few years, even if it meant mortgaging the future for the next mm-hmm. guy. And that's why there's something to be said, I think, about just job security for some of these you know, GMs in the NFL, because when they feel that not tightening a little bit and the patience dwindling a little bit from these owners, that's when you see some moves made that, Help you stay competitive in the now, in the short term, but it comes at the expense of the long-term plan. And so Quasey walks in here his first day. The cap's an absolute mess. He had to make some tough decisions on, you know, Adam Thielen, Harrison Smith, Hunter. 
Uh, he let Anthony Barr walk. He replaces him with Jordan Hicks. But because they decided to stay competitive last year, and I mean, hey, it worked, right? They won 13 games. But now he's still dealing with the cat mess. He hasn't really cleaned up yet. And I think he understands the blueprint in the NFL now. It's going to be really difficult, if not impossible, to keep rolling with Kirk Cousins' contract year after year if he ever wants to get out from under this cap mess and just be able to build a competitive team around the quarterback position. And plus, let's not forget, be able to extend guys like Justin Jefferson and Christian Derrissaw, TJ Hawkinson, and so on. And that's why now I think you're seeing this offseason now, like, the tough decisions to let Thielen walk and Kendricks walk, not extend Cousins again, not because he doesn't think these guys are all good football players, but because, you know, this was the hand that he was dealt from that previous regime. And now you're seeing him, I think, in year two, do everything he can to kind of hit the reset button once and for all. And I think he's actually done a really good job setting up the whole thing for actually 2024 and beyond. In fact, I think the latest projections that I saw a few weeks ago, they might be in top 10 as far as cap money goes next offseason, pending on what happens with Kirk Cousins. So he's not out of the woods yet. I think this is the year he kind of swallows some of these tough pills, though, and kind of takes it on the chin. They're dead last in cap space as it stands. Even today, they've got the third lowest draft capital in the league, like I mentioned, with no second. They're missing a day three pick as well. The, the first round pick is at the bottom half of the order. So it's I just think it's a really volatile offseason where we're in right now. And I think Quasey understands that it's necessary to get to where he wants to go in year three, year four, year five, and kind of build this Super Bowl window. Now, I think, you know, when it comes to the Vikings specifically at 23, it's just so crystal clear, guys, that if you hit on a quarterback in the draft, you get to pay him that rookie salary for five years. It's such a huge advantage as opposed to paying, again, a, a slightly above average quarterback, but maybe not elite like Kirk Cousins, uh, Derek Carr, Jared Goff, Daniel Jones just got the bag. What he get? 40 million, if not even more this season. So, um, you know, being able to save all that extra money now as a GM. I got money to play with. I can build a championship team around that quarterback. Now I can pay JJ and Darisaw and TJ Hawkinson. I can get a few extra toys in free agency, just for example, and I can build hopefully that Super Bowl window, get hot and go on a little run. Obviously easier said than done. I get that. There's plenty of positives that Kirk Cousin brings to the table for one. Nobody talks about that. That guy doesn't miss games. The durability and just consistency week in and week out I don't think you can put a price on that. So that's huge. But we also know he's a guy who he kind of needs his surroundings to look almost perfect at times for him to play up to this championship kind of Super Bowl level. And if I'm paying you $40 million every year, do I have money to, to build that ideal surroundings you need unless I hit on pretty much every one of my draft picks, which just, you know, that's just not very realistic. So you're sitting at 23 Unless you trade up for one of the big four, uh, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, I think they're all going to be off the board, honestly, which is why I think a guy like Hendon Hooker makes a lot of sense just logistically where they're picking. And I know a lot of people are split on him. And, you know, I, I get it. He's coming off the ACL tear. He's a little bit older than most guys coming out. 
To be honest, about those two things, I don't really care that much, as much as some people. Whoever you draft is going to sit behind Kirk for a year anyways, so that works out great for the ACL. No need to rush him back. And as far as the age thing goes, I mean, these quarterbacks now, they're playing into their late 30s anyways, so if I can tell you you, you're going to get 12, 13 good years out of this new quarterback, I think most people are going to say yes to that scenario 10 out of 10 times. I mean, are you concerned about the system he played in? Like the, the Tennessee system is different. Yeah, no, I know that that's always the go-to for sure. And I, I just think, yes, for sure. Is it a gimmicky offense on paper? Absolutely. Uh, I agree with that entirely. A lot of one route reads, for example, you watch some tape. I was watching some tape of the two wide receivers uh, who are highly coveted prospects. Jalen Hyatt, maybe a first round guy, Cedric Tillman, his teammate, probably a day two guy, but two really good receivers. You watch some of their tape, 30% of the plays, they're not even running routes. They're just a decoy. But I think from just a quarterback evaluation standpoint, you still got to go out there and do it. You still got to go out there and make these throws against the guys that you're going to be playing in the NFL on Sundays. And I think Josh Heupel's offense asks for a lot more from his quarterbacks than people think. And, you know, you look back at some of them heading in hookers games that two threw five touchdowns against the number one defense in the country. I mean, he shredded Nick Saban, the best defensive mind in the nation for four quarters with about, you know, that defense has about four or five all consensus, all Americans, including Will Anderson, who if you go back and watch that tape, Will Anderson was in Hendon Hooker's lap almost every other drop back. And so he still got the job done. 58 to five touchdown to interception ratio in the SEC. Like if he was doing it in the Mac conference, uh, you know what I'm saying? Or, or, you know, a D2 school. Totally. I get it. This is the SEC. And he was the Heisman front runner too, before he tore his ACL. I just don't think that's a day three kind of guy. I think just given where the Vikings are at picking at 23 options are limited. You either kind of have to give up a King's ransom, move up into the top 10, or you just kind of play your cards as they are play what you got dealt. And I think Hendon hooker should still be there. There is a little gauntlet and some rumors. I was talking to Jeff Risden, a lions insider. He thinks uh, Detroit at 18 might be a, a very plausible option for Hendon Hooker as well. So he may not even be there, but I think the fact because of the age, because of the ACL, I think you're lucky to even be talking about him in this range anyways, in this vicinity. And the other thing too, nobody really talks about, maybe it's because of the ACL. He can run. He's far more athletic than people mm -hmm. want to talk about too. Again, I don't know if it's just because of the ACL, uh, people are kind of, taking that part of his game out of the equation now, but ACL tears, I mean, yeah, it's not nothing, but it's not what they used to be 20 years ago either. Totally. Some of those guys come back even stronger now. So once he's healthy and back on the field, I think people are going to be impressed with how well he can create with his legs, which is just kind of a bonus too. So yeah, you got to worry about teams like Detroit at 18. They brought him in for a team interview. I'm hearing a lot of chatter about that connection, just connecting some dots. You got Tampa Bay at 19. Seattle at 20 with their second pick or what if you know there's some wild card scenarios here and this is what makes the draft so fun what if the Ravens end up trading Lamar Jackson I mean they're picking right before you at 22 so I just think you're in the danger zone there right before you get on the clock and the last thing and I kind of want your guys' opinion on this too if the plan is to be competitive again next season which it is you brought back Kirk you bring in Brian Flores etc say you win 
seven, eight, nine games again, which they will, you'll be in the exact same position next draft where no one super special is just going to fall in your lap in the late teens, early 20s. So now, again, you're going to have to trade up inside the top five. And for who? The third or fourth best quarterback again? Because Caleb Williams from USC, Heisman winner, Drake May from North Carolina, forbidding something fluky happens, are both going to go number one and number two, bang, bang. They're that good. So they're long gone. They're not even an option. So I, I just think it's going to be really tough, um, again, to get one of the top three or four quarterbacks this year, but also next year too. So eventually, I think Quasey's just got to bite the bullet. Who does KOC love is the big question. See, I mean, if you're – I think the question is, right, you can maybe get the Arizona pick, right? But that's literally like you're not drafting. I mean, you have to be convinced right. that the draft is as bad as you kind of said at the beginning here. Um, also, Brian Flores probably goes somebody like a six-round safety. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, he's going like, he's gonna to walk into OTAs and look around and go on. <laughs> who? Oh, Kendricks has got – oh, okay. What's okay. this guy's name? Right. Like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's my starting nickel corner? What's going on? <laughs> I mean, uh, the other thing is – I place a call to Houston. Like, I don't know what Houston's doing. Like, isn't the Patriots chaplain or something running that team? Like, dude. (laughs) Yeah. It's wild, man. And Houston has so much ammo too. I just don't get it. If they, if they had one great draft, especially with all this ammo, you look what Seattle did last year, killed the draft. The New York jets crushed their draft. And you look at the NFL. Now there's such parody and with one good offseason, any team can go from worst to first. And I just think, yeah, Houston maybe is more than a year away. I get that for sure. But one great draft with all these early picks, man, they can make some huge strides. I think, especially as we get, this happens every year, about a week, two weeks before the draft, a lot of smoke starts to come out. As what you're kind of referring to, what, now you're not going to take a quarterback at two? What are you, nuts? I think – there's a lot of Will Levis chatter going on now that that they all of a sudden like maybe Will Levis more than C.J. Stroud if they are going to take a quarterback at two. I think it's been long known that Chris Ballard and the Indianapolis Colts really like Will Levis. I think that's always kind of been their guy at that range with number four. Mm-hmm. And being that the Texans are in the same division as the Colts, I think there's a little cat and mouse game going on that all of a sudden a week before the draft, all of a sudden the Texans like Will Levis. And I think – they're going to try to force Chris Ballard's hand and make maybe make them swap picks or give up some extra picks or, you know, try to force their hand to some degree. But that's at this point, like all the tapes been watched for weeks, you know, team interviews have been done, things like that. Most teams boards and rankings, unless something fluky happens, you know, off the field or something, you know, an incident or something like that, these boards aren't changing. So I think a week before the draft, as we're seeing now kind of play out with this whole Houston Texans thing, I still think they end up taking CJ Stroud at the end of the day. And I think somebody, as you mentioned with Arizona, somebody, uh, you know, all these teams look around and go, all right, who's going to trade up for Anthony Richardson? Somebody trades up with Arizona who's far away from just one pick as much as Will Anderson would help them or Jalen Carter. They're so far away from just one guy being competitive again. They need to trade down. If they don't, I think that's a, uh, a huge flub on their part and that new GM and that kind of new front office that they're working with. But I think it goes Bryce Young. I think it goes C.J. Stroud. And then I think the cleanest trade would be Indy trading up to three with Arizona, to be honest, because then Arizona still gets Will Anderson. Uh, They don't have to move back too far. They can move back again if they want, if the phone's Mm -hmm. still ringing. But the Colts guarantee they either get Will Levis, who it's just my intuition, I think, is their guy, or Anthony Richardson. But, guys, 
we've seen three quarterbacks go one, two, three, bang, bang, bang before. I mean, three, four times in the history of the draft. 2018 was the last time. Um, but we've never seen four quarterbacks go in a row. And I think this year could set a new NFL draft record. Oh, the Texans all of a sudden love Will Levis. Like, we'll right. take him. We'll take him. Right. Uh, we'll take him if you don't trade up for him. Right. So, But you see that a lot with the draft. Um, to your point about the, the quarterbacks maybe going one, two, three, four, um, and your earlier point about the Vikings have, I think, with the third worst draft capital in, in the upcoming draft, is there anyone that you love, any of these big four quarterbacks that you say, like, they have to go, they have to try? Um, and if they do, is it worth mortgaging the future which like you said has been kind of an issue in the previous regime i don't know if i just played too much madden when i was a kid but there's something about anthony richardson like (laughs) there is nobody like him and and i forget which podcast i was listening to maybe the rich eisen show i think it was joe clapp from fox sports news he calls college games with gus johnson he was comparing these quarterbacks to a rubik's cube and one it's like all right what's the potential if you unlock this rubik's cube and then two how many turns is it going to take to figure out and solve the Rubik's cube? And I think Anthony Richardson out of all the four or five quarterbacks is going to take the most turns and clicks to finally unlock. But once you unlock him, if you can, there is no better Rubik's cube out there that we've seen in the last 20 years. I mean, he's just that special. And if you can truly unlock him and tap into those talents, he's the best player on the field, no matter who you're playing every single week, he's just that special. And again, long ways away, right? Super project. I mean, a lot of work you got to do. You're talking minimum two years out. Again, though, I think with Kirk Cousins, any one of these guys, such a luxury to be able to have a young quarterback sit for a year. Not just like day two, day three guys sit. I think even Andrew Luck, when he came out, best quarterback prospect in 20 years, he should have sat for a year. I think it's just such a luxury for these these young quarterbacks to be able to just, I don't want to say baby steps, but just be able to have some patience with them and not feel that pressure. Too many of these young quarterbacks get thrown in the fire and there's something just mentally that, you know, things don't go perfect. Like they're used to in college, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. so many of these guys hardly lost games or, you know, barely threw interceptions or whatnot. Things get bad and get ugly quick in the NFL. Psychologically, you don't know what that's going to do to that guy. And there's tons of more advantages, too, outside of just that, you know, learning the playbook, digesting uh, the new scheme and terminology, and then just trying to adjust to the speed of the NFL. You ask any guy who played in the NFL, what's the, the toughest thing going from college to the pros? They all say the same thing. It's the speed. Nothing can prepare you for the speed going from college to the pros. So I think Anthony Richardson, long story short, is the guy that I would move up to three if he was still there, which I think he will be, um, just because I think Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are gone at that point. Um, Will Levis has a ton of tools as well. Hendon Hooker just seems to be the hot topic of conversation, just giving that. I think he will fall a little bit and should fall into that late teens, early 20s, something like that. So it's just more realistic, I think, without giving up a King's Ransom. We know Quasey's a big analytic guy. We saw him wheel and deal last year quite a bit, not even afraid to wheel and deal inside the division with not just Detroit, but Green Bay. So I think Hooker, I think, just weighing out all the pros and cons, especially just given the lack of draft capital. I think that's why so many people connect those dots. But if there was a guy you were going to trade up for, Anthony Richardson would definitely be my guy. Quick question for you guys, too, th- that nobody's talking about. Be- 
and I just want to bring this up and just start a conversation about it for two, three minutes. What are you going to do next year when you got to pay Kirk Cousins $28 million in dead money? Like the second he walks out the door, you got $28 million on the books. You're paying him for all those restructures that you've done year after year. So what other choice do you really even have but to draft a rookie quarterback? Honestly, I don't see how they can literally afford anything else. Honestly, I know, you know, the cap is a myth and there's things they can bend and, and whatnot. But outside of that, you still got to extend J.J. and Hawkinson and Darisaw like I don't know if there is any other options, guys. So I don't know if it's a so much about will they or won't they. I think that's kind of a mute point at this point. All the decisions and moves they've made, specifically the things they've done with Kirk Cousins' contract, because of all those moves, they almost have to roll with a quarterback on a rookie deal next year. And they know that. So it may not be a matter of, again, if, or, or excuse me, when, but if. Uh, the question is, I think, do they grab a guy now and let him sit or do they wait until 2024 and kind of throw him in the fire like we were just talking about? Because I'm fine with Hendon Hooker at 23. They may not be. It depends on who KOC likes. I just think because of the dead money, though, tell me what you guys think. Do they have any other option? They don't have to draft him this year, but I think a rookie quarterback almost has to start next year, doesn't he? Yeah, that's a good point because, I mean, you you look at when you're paying a guy – assuming they don't re-up with Kirk Cousins, I guess mm-hmm. that's the only way that that that, that a rookie True. quarterback doesn't start is that they say, Kirk was good this year. We'll kick the can down the road again and again and again. And then eventually you're going to you're gonna run into this problem. Um, by the way, you're also going to run into cap issues if, if you have to extend Kirk Cousins again. Right. Um, but yeah, if, if Kirk Cousins' contract runs out, you're paying $28 million to him to basically go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be a rookie quarterback. And I think when we when you heard Kevin O'Connell talk last week, you heard Quasi Adolfo Mensa talk last week, they hinted at like, yeah, we would love for a guy to sit a year under a veteran quarterback. Um, that was basically their way of, I think, saying, look, if there's a quarterback we love in this draft, we would love to take him in the first round if that's where it is, have him sit a year under Kirk, and then we'll take advantage of that rookie contract money, you know, Mm -hmm. cheat code, I guess, right now, and roll with him moving forward. If not, yeah, I think you have to draft the quarterback next year, start him right away, and who knows where you're drafting that guy? You're drafting him probably mid-late first. And that's a good way to tank a young quarterback's confidence to, mm-hmm. to throw a guy who's not ready uh, right into the fire. So I think the preferred option is probably in a vacuum to take a quarterback, let him sit the last year under Kirk and start next year. But uh, to your point, it comes down to do they like any of the quarterbacks at 23? Is there enough ammo? Are they willing to mortgage next year's draft to move up to – you know, in the top 10, perhaps, and even in the top five. Um, that's something that obviously will be some, the mo- one of the most intriguing things to come out of Thursday night. For sure. And, and kind of to that point, too, uh, you know, every time KOC or Quasi gets up to that podium, and, and you know, I, I think you guys are there once in a while, too. I think it was their last presser. Quasi loves to bring up the fact that they drafted 10 guys last year and that's not really normal. I mean, they had almost twice the size of a normal draft for some teams and I, you know, just trying to maybe read between the lines a little bit. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking a little bit, but it tells me maybe he could, or they could justify moving up and using whatever little ammo they have. Because again, they are planning on guys like Lewis being a starter, Andrew Booth jr. 
being a big-time contributor, a Caleb Evans being a guy, Brian Asamoa, Jalen Naylor. I mean, they're really putting a lot of eggs in last year's class basket because it was so big. Maybe they can justify just trying to get in their heads, right? Just trying to put myself in their shoes. Maybe they can justify going mm -hmm. up to get a quarterback, even though they don't have a ton of draft capital, but they would be fine. Again, when you stack both classes on top of each other, they feel like they're still coming out ahead if they went and got their quarterback for the future. Yeah, Quasi called it, what, like the two-year horizon, which I suppose you're going to yeah. say when you have five picks and you took 10 right. last year. <laughs> right. but, uh, but I think um, – it's why you probably keep seeing hooker's name right is that like they probably just don't have enough to get into kind of the range where you get the the big four right and that's a pretty substantial risk and it's maybe a way to kind of serve two masters right on one side you if hooker pans out you get the rookie contract through his prime which is pretty rare right that was mm -hmm. you know like through 26 27 28 um and still have some draft capital i'm assuming again you're moving down with some of these picks but to fill out the defense, because as much as I think it's easier, easy to pin it all on Donatel, and Donatel certainly was not uh, the best hire, um, I don't think that's simple as like, here's Brian Flores. Everyone's going to stay healthy. He'll get the most out of these guys. We'd love to see it with Booth, but, you know, he, he dropped because of the injury concerns. Scene had a pretty serious injury, right, mm -hmm. um, in London. I, you know, like, and I love what Evans did. He had three concussions, right? I love what Asamoah did, but that's, that is one guy. I mean, you have to supplement beyond that. So um, right. I think the hooker pick makes a lot of sense. It's just kind of weird that they like painted themselves in this corner i get it's we talked about kind of what was inherited in the in the fact that they chose not to to burn it down right that they wanted this competitive rebuild and they wanted to go for a, a 13 win season last year um but uh, and, and to that point too tom like you know something that really never gets discussed too much it's kind of just gets glossed over Owners have a, a, a large mm -hmm. part to do with not only the draft, but the entire plan too, right? I mean, yeah. they're signing the checks for everybody too. So you got to get the owners to sign off on this game plan as well, both from, you know, a draft night, who we're going to pick on, on draft night. And also like, what's the, what's the short-term plan and what's the long-term plan as well. And I don't know. I think one of the appeals to Kirk Cousins, honestly, from an ownership standpoint, is you know you're going to be competitive every year. You know you're going to put fans in the seats. And I think after the Wilfs went through that like 3-13 and 13 run post-Brett Farvera with Donovan McNabb and some other guys thrown in there, I just think they want to stay as far away from that as possible. They got the new newer stadium and everything else going on too. So I just mm -hmm. wonder, you'd love to be a fly in the wall in some of those conversations where the Wilfs are at in all this, are they a proponent for grabbing a new quarterback? Are they the ones kind of digging their heels in and say, no, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I get it, but let's roll with Kirk Cousins one more year. I'm not ready to do that. I'm not ready to bite the bullet yet. Um, so it's just interesting to think about that too, because it was kind of a goofy thing, right? When Quasey came and took over, it's like, all right, you're going to burn the whole thing down, right? You're going to strip it down to the studs, much like Ryan Polsdale did in Chicago as well, right? No, not really the case. Kind of one foot in each bucket, the competitive rebuild, as they dubbed it. And, you know, again, it worked out phenomenal. 13 and four seasons, some phenomenal games in there, super dramatic. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's almost like you got to kind of got to commit at some point and just push your chips all in to one kind of, you know, path or off-season blueprint, if you will, or strategy. And it just seems like, I mean, we'll know a lot more after this draft, whether they go get a quarterback or end up trading back, for example, where their kind of psyche and, and mindset is at for the future, I think, after draft weekend. What uh, If they go defense heavy in this draft, Luke, is there enough we're talking probably, I mean, in this case, you're maybe moving that first round pick, or at least you're, you're certainly trading down as you get deeper in the draft. 
are there enough guys that if you kind of have enough ammo, if you have enough darts, right, that you could start to fill out the defense? Or do you think that this draft is just not strong enough that it's not worth trying to kind of fill out a defense in one draft, essentially? Yeah, I mean, every draft class is unique and special. Some people call it a snowflake, right? They're all a little bit different. They got their strengths and and weaknesses. (laughs) Um, Last year's class had no quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett was the only guy in the first round. This year, we're getting all the quarterbacks, maybe five in the first round, plus a handful of solid day three developmental guys, Stenson Bennett from Georgia, uh, Dorian Thompson from UCLA, tons of them. Defensively, again, I mean, last year's cornerback class was outstanding. This year's cornerback class maybe even better, which is wild to say. When you look at – if you go back and actually pull up last year's class and look at the cornerbacks that were drafted after one year, how many outstanding cornerbacks were there, this class may be even better. The other two strengths are at tight end and running back. Both positions just stacked to the gills. Unfortunately, Vikings really don't need any running backs or any tight ends as well right now. So cornerback's definitely a strength. You get to linebacker and defensive tackle pretty weak, man. I'm not going to lie. I mean, unless you get one of those top-tier guys, it just gets thin pretty quick. Not guys that I would feel comfortable drafting, you know, in round three, four, or five and and feeling comfortable that that guy's going to be a starter this year mm-hmm. or at least play significant time. Not a ton of those guys. Now, Brian Asamoah surprised me. So, I, I mean, never say never. And you never know until two, three years down the road. But cornerback is definitely the the strong suit. Now, two ways to look at it. Do you want to grab, you know, the best of the best at the top? Or do you want to take advantage of the value later on? Guys in round four or five that maybe – any other year, I'd have to use a second or third round pick on. So now I'm getting great value. Kind of the chicken and the egg, though, honestly. Like, do you build up the trenches like we were always taught for so many years, first and foremost? Because remember, you know, a, a you know good trench play, good pass rush, for example, that can make any cornerback look a lot better than they are when they only have to cover for three seconds every play. And also, You'll never get to those third and long situations that Brian Flores needs and loves to dial up these exotic blitzes, much like Zimmer, by the way. Um, You'll never get to those third and longs in the first place if you're not winning on first and second down anyways. So I think back to that Cowboys game last year where they got blown out at home and you watched them just get swallowed up, just get bullied in the trenches all game. And I just think it's really apparent, especially after letting Delvin Tomlinson walk, they need just more big bodies up front. Two big bodied guys I loved in the draft, Mazzy Smith from Michigan and Dervin Dexter from Florida, both massive, well over 300 pounds, more nose tackles than anything, which is good. I think Harrison Phillips gives him some flexibility to maybe slide out to five tech, which I think he's a little bit more natural at. And both those guys I mentioned, Massey Smith and, and Gervin Dexter from Florida, explosive, great first quick step for how big they are. They can really penetrate and get into the backfield. I know it's not a fun, sexy position. These guys get overlooked a lot. They drop a lot farther than they should sometimes. But if either one of those guys are there on day two, I would circle those names right now. But I think the big thing is, you know, circling back is that Flores, you know, a lot of people don't remember this. He uses a ton of sub packages a lot. And I think it was two years ago in Miami. He was number one in the NFL in dime personnel, which is six DBs or four cornerbacks. And I'm not even sure the Vikings have six 
capable DBs no. right now on the roster, honestly. I mean, Booth is a huge question question mark as much as I hope he pans out. He really, if you look at his track record, I don't know if he's played a full healthy season of footballs going all the way back to high school. Not re-signing Duke Shelley. I don't know what you yeah. guys thought about that. That still keeps me up at night. And at the end of the day, you just want to draft the best players available in the class. And I guarantee you one of these top cornerbacks is going to be staring at you in the face at pick 23. And you just can't have enough good cover cornerbacks anymore because you've seen it, guys. This past happy league, teams love to spread you out three, four, five wide and find that one little mismatch and try to exploit it. Joey Porter Jr., I mean, you, you think about Brian Flores, loves to dial up these exotic blitzes, what he needs. He needs press man cover corners. And without a doubt, Joey Porter Jr., is maybe outside of Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, who may go as high as, you know, six to Detroit. Joey Porter Jr., man, he is the best press man cover corner in the class, without a doubt for me, uh, by a healthy distance, actually. He's so good. He's so aggressive. Plays with that feisty, you know, swag in your face. Stuff that you need at that position nowadays. I've heard a lot of J.C. Horn comparisons from the Panthers, who's he's already turning into one of the best young cornerbacks in the NFL right now. And I think he's even more fluid and more smooth, um, you know, just as far as his skill set goes, than J.C. Horn was coming out just two years ago. He went in the top 10 two years ago. So I think mm-hmm. if they don't go quarterback, right, if we just take that out of the conversation and off the table for a second, I think Joey Porter Jr. is the dream. Will he be there? I'll say as of right now probably don't hold your breath. He could be, but there's so many uh, teams picking before the Vikings that could all justify cornerback Philly at 10, Washington at 14, New England at 15, Detroit, Seattle, Chargers, Ravens, all of them. Any one of them took a corner. Nobody bats an eye. I mean, they could all justify it. And, and so it's serious, you know, shark infested waters right before the Vikings uh, are on the clock. And I just don't see him falling any further probably than Pittsburgh because that's where his dad played. So if I had to put money on it, it just feels like the obvious choice when you, you kind of connect the dots with Mike Tomlin. Deontay Banks, just to give you another name, a, a backup or plan B, Deontay Banks from Maryland. He also excels in man coverage. That's what we want to look for. Guys who excel in that man coverage for Brian Flores. He crushed the combine. Numbers were off the charts. Porter has the size and the length to dominate guys just physically in man coverage that I just think he can't teach. So I would prefer him over Banks, but either one of those guys I think would be a great pick, especially for Brian Flores to start building this defense back up. Luke, let's go through a hypothetical. You're the Vikings GM. Mm -hmm. You don't trade up. The, the big four quarterbacks gone. Uh, you're sitting there at 23. Hendon Hooker's there. Uh, your cornerbacks are there that you're t- you talked about, the you know, the, the deepness of this draft. Um, I, I know some people have, have talked about receiver. I, I personally wouldn't hate a receiver there to, to pair him with Justin Jefferson long term. What are you doing? Like, what are you taking at 23, knowing, you know, the forecast of this team, you know, two, three years down the road? The, the idea that you probably need a rookie quarterback to start next year, the same idea that that you, your cornerback depth in the room currently is, is probably limited. Um, wh- where do you land on what would you do at 23 if you're not moving up, if those four, go- four guys are gone? Yeah, great question. And, you know, honestly, too, probably first thing I'm doing, I'm picking up the phone. If there's multiple guys that I like at cornerback and wideout and Hendon Hooker's there, and think about it, 
if four quarterbacks just went, that's four less quarterback needy teams yep. that are not a threat anymore too. So maybe I feel a little bit of wiggle room here where I'm also, you know, if I'm trading back, I'm talking about trading behind teams that were just in the playoffs, i.e. probably means they have a good quarterback. Jags with Trevor Lawrence, Daniel Jones and the Giants, Chiefs, Bills, Cowboys, Dak Prescott. So now there's not so much of a threat there as well. First thing I'm doing is picking up the phone. One of the reasons I actually personally, uh, uh, maybe in the minority, I love Rick Spielman, he'd stockpile those uh, lottery tickets, right? They're just scratch-offs. I mean, as, mu- you know, as much tape as we watch and out- evaluation we do and get into the combine, do the mock drafts, nobody really knows, man. Uh, honestly, at the end of the day, I think it's more about team fit and where some of these guys end up more than it is about the actual player and their talent. I'm trying to trade back. I'm trying to stockpile as much as I can get. It would be a shame if I lost Hendon Hooker in that range, but it sounds like there's still plenty of good options there. Maybe one of those elite uh, cornerbacks, those top-tier cornerbacks, or a receiver like Jordan Addison or or you know Quentin Johnston from TCU. I don't think anybody should be mad or disappointed with a pick like that either. But if I can't get a deal done and I have to hand in the card, quarterback, you guys, is just too important of a position. They obviously didn't extend Kirk Cousins for a reason here. They got to bite the bullet on that dead cap at some point. Sure, like you said, they can keep kicking the can down the road. I just don't think it's what Quasey wants to do. I think Quasey's too smart. He knows that's just not in the big scheme, the big picture, uh, uh, just a wise decision. So I would rather get that guy in here now. I I would roll the dice and take a gamble. And and if you don't get Hooker, who are you going to get? Because there's such a massive drop-off from him to the next guy. A lot of people think it's Tanner McKee from Stanford. And again, I've said this before. If he doesn't have the ACL and he's, say, 22 instead of 25, I think he's being mocked in the top 10. Again, Heisman front runner before he got hurt. So I'm handing in the card. I'm rolling the dice on Hendon Hooker. And I'm not saying it's not a big deal. Like, yeah, we're invested now for the next three, maybe four years with this guy. But it's not like uh, like you can't draft another guy in two, three years if it's not working out, is my point. I mean, you're not overly committed. You're using the 23rd overall pick. You didn't trade up and give up. Uh, King's ransom or mortgage the, mortgage the future for this guy. It's like, uh, you know, any other f- late first round pick that uh, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman had that didn't pan out, Laquan Treadwell or, you know, some other guys in the mix too. So I'm rolling the dice on the quarterback, too important of a position. I want to reset my salary cap and finally have some money to play with and be able to at least at minimum retain my core nucleus of young guys, J.J. Hawkinson and Christian Derrissaw. It's a good point. Like, if it doesn't work out, God forbid, it's you just not try the again. End of the world. Like, <laughs> well, right, and and I mean, not what you want, obviously. Of course, you want to hit on the guy, but I just think people are tying this quarterback pick if they do pick a quarterback with Quasi's job and KOC's job, and I just think it's way too early for that. I mean, if it doesn't pan out, a lot of different factors why guys don't pan out. Um, I just don't think it's the end of the world. Uh, again, especially on a rookie contract, 23rd pick, we're talking top two, top three, top five. Yeah, that's a little bit different. Uh, you, you're under the magnifying glass much more, but 23rd pick, I think he can roll the dice on a guy and, and you know, not feel like it's the end of the world in three years if you look back and it didn't pan out. You can always try again. For sure. Luke, I know you got another pod. We appreciate you coming on. One quick question. Mm-hmm. Uh, draft crush, who is it? And within, you know, quick, brief, two, three sentences, why? Who is your draft crush that maybe 
not someone who's going to go in the first round, not someone, maybe someone who's flying on the radar, who's someone that in your, in your grinding of the tape you've fallen in love with um, that we should keep an eye on. Yeah, I already mentioned like draft crush. Go get your guys. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. Julius mm-hmm. Brents is probably my okay. favorite. Go get your guys your draft crush for cornerback. But I'll give you a deep sleeper, Good. super de- deep class of wideouts in that second and third tier. Charlie Jones from Purdue. He was a transfer from Iowa. Didn't have a great quarterback at Iowa. Stayed in the Big Ten. Wanted to play with Aiden O'Connell. He'll get drafted on day three. He can really sling it. This guy ends up with the most receptions in the entire country with 110, and nobody's talking about him. Over 110 catches, which is just absurd. At the college level, 110 catches is just wild. Second most receiving yards in the country and fifth most TDs with 12. I think he's one of the best kept secrets in the class. And if he's there in round three and you haven't drafted a wide receiver already, I would love to see him inside a KOC offense. And honestly, it's such a deep class. Jones being, you know, this guy's a six-year senior. He's 5'11", buck 75. He doesn't necessarily pop off at the, you know, at the combine and the, and the measurables and numbers. I'm sure you could find this guy on, I mean, for sure day three, but I'm I'm even willing to say late day three, maybe fifth, sixth, seventh round, somewhere in there. That would be my favorite draft crush in that range, especially if they haven't drafted a receiver yet. Charlie Jones from Purdue. Love him. Awesome. Well, that's all we got for today. We want to thank Luke in for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter, Luke underscore Spinman. Um, that's, you know, great information. Like, like he said, it feels like Christmas three days away, four days away. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be back later this week to kind of talk about the draft, you know, heading into it. And then obviously reacting to the pick after it, Luke want to thank you so much for joining us again. I know you got another podcast to get to. We will let you get out of here. Uh, For Luke Spinman, Tom Schreier, I'm Dane Mizutani. We will see you next time. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.